Welcome back to Investigate Joe Rogan, the podcast where I fact check and investigate things that have been said on the Joe Rogan experience for some reason. Today, I'll be looking at episode 1747 with Dr. Peter McCullough. Obviously, this was a pretty controversial episode and there is a lot to talk about, so I have no time to discuss my long absence. But basically what happened was I accidentally started watching Joe, Joe's Bizarre Adventures instead of the Joe Rogan experience. So I got totally confused. Um, They're similar. There's a lot of Jimi Hendrix references in both. So I got confused, but now I am back. And the first thing I'll talk about is the lab explosion. Dr. Peter says that the second biggest producer of hydroxychloroquine in the world was destroyed in a huge fire. And it is true that there was an explosion at a pharmaceutical factory in Taiwan City in Taiwan. There's a video and everything. It definitely did happen. However, I could not find any real source for this idea that it was the second biggest producer of hydroxychloroquine. When I looked into this, I was actually First of all, quite surprised to find out that any part of this was real. I was surprised that anything exploded at all, anywhere. But the hydroxychloroquine part, which is the really relevant part here, doesn't seem to be real. Every article I found just linked to another, usually even less reputable article, with no actual source to be found anywhere. A lot of misinformation on the internet tends to spread this way, it seems, in these little ecosystems. You go to some website called freetheearth.com, and the source on that site will be libertyresistor.net, and then that will use timecube.org as their source, and pretty soon you're onto websites with yellow text on blue backgrounds, And you don't even know what's happening. You have no clue what's going on. Eventually, though, I found what I believe is the ground zero of this whole thing. An article from TaiwanEnglishNews.com called Pharmaceutical Factory on Fire After Explosion, Too Injured. In the article, it says, quote, Liberty Times reported that the factory produces hydroxychloroquine APIs and is the world's second largest HCQ raw material supplier. I thought I had at last found the actual source, but they don't link to this supposed Liberty Times article. I went to the Liberty Times and I couldn't find anything even mentioning hydroxychloroquine. I even emailed Taiwan English News about this, but they never got back to me. So where are they getting this information? I don't think this is real. Taiwan English News appears to be a small website run by just a few people, and they they clearly don't have any on-the-ground journalists of their own. Furthermore, Taiwan isn't even an independent country, so the website should really be called Chinese Taipei English News. Uh, Xi, if you're listening to this, please sponsor the podcast. I got your back, you know that. This is one of the things Dr. Peter points to as evidence of a grand conspiracy, and there's really nothing there. He also says that African doctors called him and told him that mercenaries are being paid to burn stashes of hydroxychloroquine. And there is no source for this other than Dr. Peter himself. There's nothing 
about this to be found online, other than articles about this episode of JRE. So we'll just have to trust him on that one, I guess. It is very funny to imagine (laughs) some doctor in Africa calling him up and saying, Dr. Peter, we need your help. You're our only hope. (laughs) I saw you on Tucker Carlson, who is very popular here in the Congo. The mercenaries are coming. I don't have much time. I need you to (laughs) send help. (laughs) I hope that this is real. I want that to be true, but I just I just don't know if it is. Maybe Rogan should have those doctors on JRE, those African doctors. That would be a good episode. They probably have some crazy stories. Unfortunately, they also talk about things that are less exciting than explosions and African mercenaries. Dr. Peter says that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are approved by the FDA and can be used off-label according to medical guidelines. But he has actually gotten this very simple thing wrong, which was surprising to me because he is a practicing doctor. On June 15th, the FDA revoked its emergency use authorization for hydroxychloroquine, saying that it was no longer reasonable to believe that the drug was effective against COVID-19. They also said the benefits do not outweigh known and potential risks. Ivermectin is also not approved by the FDA for use in treating any virus. He also says that none of the vaccines are FDA-approved, which is also not true. Pfizer is FDA-approved, and Moderna and Johnson & Johnson are emergency use-approved. In my opinion, this calls his credibility into question almost as much as the wild stuff, which I'll talk about later. I mean, shouldn't a doctor who actually sees patients and uses this stuff all the time know about this? This guy doesn't even know what the rules for the drugs he gives his own patients are. Later on, he says that the reason hydroxychloroquine was banned for a while was just because of two small studies. He also says that it was banned because of academic incompetence. And then later, of course, he says it was banned because of a massive global conspiracy. But for now, I'll just talk about the idea that it was banned because of two small studies. This is not true. The recovery trial, which was the most influential study in giving hydroxychloroquine a bad name, involved 11,000 patients. The authors wrote, quote, The recovery trial has shown that hydroxychloroquine is not an effective treatment in patients hospitalized with COVID-19. Although it is disappointing that this treatment has been shown to be ineffective, it does allow us to focus care and research on more promising drugs. So this trial, which showed that it did nothing, was actually pretty big as far as clinical trials go. Dr. Peter also says that all these other countries like Japan, Mexico, India, etc. are all using hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and basically America is just sitting here like a bunch of idiots not using it and everyone's laughing at us. But this is not true. When you look up stuff about this, Japan is the country that comes up the most. And there were a lot of people talking about how they supposedly use ivermectin all the time. But it all just goes back to a guy named Haruo Ozaki, the chairman of the Tokyo Medical Association. In an interview, this guy said that ivermectin should be used. The Tokyo Medical Association is just a local professional organization, though. It's not connected to the Japanese government or even like a university or a research company or whatever. Ivermectin isn't a widespread thing in Japan. This one guy just wants it to be. Imagine if you were a Japanese person and you were watching JRE 
And then you thought, wow, I guess in America they're treating COVID by telling people not to be fat and taking vitamin D. Wow, it's crazy. Well, that's not exactly, you know, a widespread thing in America. I cannot tell you how many times I've looked up something for this podcast and it all just goes back to one random guy. It's pretty interesting how these things sort of snowball. Later, Dr. Peter says that The Lancet, which is a major medical journal, made a fraudulent paper about hydroxychloroquine. This paper, he claims, was sponsored by a mysterious company that then disappeared along with the paper. The paper, which was called Hydroxychloroquine or Chloroquine with or without a Macrolide for Treatment of COVID-19, a Multinational Registry Analysis, actually said that hydroxychloroquine might be dangerous, and then they retracted it. They officially retracted it. It's not hidden. You can, you can go find this right now, and it says retracted. He should be happy about this, really. There's one less paper criticizing hydroxychloroquine in the world. Also, it wasn't funded by a shady company that doesn't exist anymore. It was funded by Brigham and Women's Hospital, which is a real hospital that you can go to. It has not disappeared. At least it's still there for now. African mercenaries may try to bomb it now that I've called attention to it like this. On a side note, at around this time in the episode, he refers to The Hill as, quote, a Republican journal, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure they would not appreciate. He also talks about betadine, betadine, whatever it's called, and the idea that the real best thing to do about COVID is to just spray some stuff up your nose and gargle antiseptic. This is kind of the latest thing in the alternative COVID universe. There's really no reason to think that this works. Betadine makes a diluted version of this stuff that is intended to be gargled and is for sore throats. And even they have come out and tried to get people not to do this for COVID-19. They said, quote, Betadine antiseptic products have not been demonstrated to be effective for the treatment or prevention of COVID-19 or any other viruses. And if anyone stands to profit from this idea, it's them. If this became a widespread thing, if this became the sort of default thing to do after you get home from being in public, they would make tons of money, probably more than they ever have before in history. So if even they're saying you shouldn't do it, then it's probably not a great idea. He says that Bangladesh has basically no COVID because they're all doing this, which isn't true. Um, that's not a real thing that's happening. He probably should not go to Bangladesh, in fact, because you can get arrested there for spreading what they perceive as misinformation about COVID. So he probably would not have a good time in Bangladesh. Now, one of the bigger things Dr. Peter brings up in this episode that a lot of people were pushing back against is the idea that asymptomatic people can't spread COVID. This is almost certainly not true, as I think most people know. A paper called SARS-CoV-2 Transmission from People Without COVID-19 Symptoms analyzed eight different COVID studies and wrote that, quote, in this decision, analytical model of multiple scenarios of proportions of asymptomatic individuals with COVID-19 and infectious periods, transmissions from asymptomatic individuals was estimated to account for more than half of all transmissions. 
another paper called Quantifying Asymptomatic Infection in Transmission of COVID-19 in New York, concluded that, quote, using an epidemiological model that includes testing capacity, we show that many infections are non-symptomatic but contribute substantially to community transmission in the aggregate. Even if you don't really care about these studies, just think about it like this. Do you think the pandemic really could have spread this much if asymptomatic people couldn't transmit COVID? If the only way you could transmit COVID was if you had all the symptoms? To me, that just doesn't seem plausible because I think the vast majority of people would not interact with people if they had the symptoms, especially early on at the height of the pandemic. The other big thing he said that got pushback from people was that you can't get COVID twice. He says the CDC director said you can't get COVID twice as well. Even Joe Rogan was skeptical of this, and he says that he knows people who have had COVID twice. Since this interview, he has told other guests that he doesn't think this is real. This is the hill that Rogan is taking a stand against Dr. Peter on for some reason. The idea that the pandemic was caused by Bill Gates didn't really pique his interest, but this was a red flag for Rogan. You can, in fact, get COVID twice. There are all kinds of studies showing this. The biggest one I could find was published in the New England Journal of Medicine and is called Severity of SARS-CoV-2 Reinfections as Compared with Primary Infections. It confirmed 1,300 reinfections among 353,000 people who got COVID-19 in Qatar. My theory as to why this in particular bothered Rogan is that he likes things that he's had a real-life experience with. It's kind of a meme at this point how he'll frequently say, oh, a buddy of mine. Rogan's anecdotal evidence went against Dr. Peter on this one, and I think that's why he was, was willing to push back and uh, question a little bit. Dr. Peter says that he has gotten the vaccine, but he also says that the vaccine basically does nothing. He says it really doesn't help very much. But until some crazy new variant that instantly kills everyone comes along, this is really not true. A CDC study that was released on June 7th showed that fully vaccinated people were 91% less likely to get infected. And there was a bunch of studies like this with similarly very high numbers. But what's more interesting than those sorts of studies, in my opinion, is the high percent of people now dying of COVID that are unvaccinated. According to AP News, 99% of the people now dying of COVID are unvaccinated. All sorts of other people have given similar numbers. You can look up a bajillion sources for this. Of course, AP News is just a bunch of liberals who probably don't know what they're talking about. Well, if you think that is the case, I happen to find another source for this statistic. According to the Texas Department of State Health Services, in a paper called COVID-19 Cases and Deaths by Vaccination Status, 85% of the people who died were unvaccinated. And this is glorious Texas, bastion of conservatism and home to Joe Rogan, Dr. Peter, and Tim Dillon. Tim Dillon, like Joe Rogan, uh, is also a doctor. Not a lot of people know that. So it really seems as though nearly everyone who dies of COVID now is unvaccinated. Dr. Peter really doesn't even elaborate on why he thinks this is fake. He just says that it's propaganda, it's fake, and then moves on. It's just part of the conspiracy. He provides no evidence or explanation for why he thinks this is fake. 
while talking about the vaccine, he goes so far as to say that telling someone to take the COVID vaccine violates the Nuremberg Code. The Nuremberg Code is for medical experiments and was made after World War II because the Nazis were not uh, getting up to the best sorts of medical experimentation. If the vaccine still counts as a medical experiment, then everything he admits to doing to his own patients is also a medical experiment. If anything, what he's doing is even more experimental, and he basically admits this. He also says that the vaccine has directly killed 18,000 people in America. Then a bit later, he says that it's really killed 45,000 people, but it's being underreported. This is not true. This is even higher than the usual number that anti-vaccine people throw out, which is about 3,000. That's what you could call the, I don't know, the mainstream anti-vax number. This number comes from the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, but is very misleading. This reporting system, by the way, is run by the FDA and the CDC. So it's kind of funny that anti-vaccine people suddenly think that they're telling the truth and care about the information they're putting out. Suddenly, they, they all want to listen to what the FDA has to say. If it's all a conspiracy, why would they even allow this information to be seen? Or why wouldn't they put out a much lower fake number? Like just say, oh, 100 people, or just not even put it out at all. This does not really work as part of the conspiracy narrative. This reporting system also does not record vaccine deaths. It records people who died soon after getting the vaccine. It doesn't look into how they died and whether or not it was caused by the vaccine. Around 8,000 Americans die every day of all causes, and a majority of Americans now have gotten the vaccine. So some people are just bound to die soon after getting the vaccine, especially since really old people, who are pretty much on death's door anyway, are more likely to get the vaccine. The reality is that there is no confirmed number anywhere of people who can provably be shown to have died because of the vaccine. This reporting system is not what people think it is, and anti-vaccine people who bring it up are suddenly in the awkward position of believing exact numbers from the CDC, something which they do not generally tend to do. Later on, Dr. Peter says that a poll showed that 12% of Americans know someone who has died of the vaccine. However, the Axios-Ipsos-Coronavirus Index poll that he's referring to here actually shows that 12% of Americans know someone who has died of COVID. He's so wrapped up in his ideology that he is remembering things that he has seen completely wrong. It's the exact opposite of what he says it is. Now, I think he is misremembering this, but if you wanted to be less charitable, you could just say that he's just lying. In my opinion, however, he, he comes across as very sincere, so I do not think he's lying. As George Costanza said, it's not a lie if you believe it. Most of the discussion I've seen around this episode has focused on the sorts of things I have mentioned. How effective are vaccines, how many people have died, etc. But what seems to have flown under the radar is that this guy claims this is all a massive conspiracy and the government and medical industry are deliberately killing millions of people. He says, 
and I'm going to do a, a bad impression of his voice here, his creepy voice. He says, quote, It seems to me early on there was an intentional, very comprehensive suppression of early treatment in order to promote fear, suffering, isolation, hospitalization, and death. It seemed to be completely organized and intentional in order to create acceptance for and then promote mass vaccination. That's also basically my, my Trump impression, by the way, which is also not good. But Joe Rogan just goes along with this. Not only does he not push back at all, but he doesn't even ask any follow-up questions. So Rogan either agrees with this or, and I think this is more likely, he has totally lost the forest for the trees. He's so focused on talking about ivermectin that he has no reaction at all when the guy across the table from him basically says that the medical Illuminati are killing millions of people in a massive, bioengineered global holocaust. Remember the Alex Jones episodes? Rogan would question pretty much everything Alex Jones would say, especially the big picture stuff about aliens and whatever. Jamie's search history must have been wild after these episodes. But this guy comes on, says that COVID is the biggest conspiracy in human history, and Jamie does not have to Google anything. I mean, come on, Alex Jones was being, you know, nitpicked probably harder than anyone ever has. But this guy is talking about equally huge conspiracies, and Rogan has nothing to say. Dr. Peter never elaborates on or provides any sort of evidence for the existence of this conspiracy. Probably because, again, Rogan does not ask him about it. But he does say that all the info is in two books, COVID-19 and the Global Predators and The Real Anthony Fauci. He describes both of these books as, and I quote, basically nonfiction. Well, what the hell does that mean? That seems to imply that they are at least partially fictional in nature. Which parts are fictional? Are the parts about Bill Gates causing the pandemic fictional? Or is it a different part? Is it like the Da Vinci Code or something? What is going on here? Again, Joe Rogan does not question this. He is too focused on ivermectin to be bothered uh, with these books. Interestingly enough, JFK's nephew wrote The Real Anthony Fauci. He is a big anti-vax guy. But he is also a big climate change guy, and not in a conspiracy sort of way. He has done all sorts of stuff to clean rivers and stop pollution and reduce carbon emissions. He has, he has like a big nonprofit organization. This is a very rare combo, I think. I thought that was interesting. Most of the discussion I have seen about this episode is about various studies and numbers and things. And that's okay, I guess. But the problem with that is that when you're dealing with someone who believes everything is a conspiracy, then things like studies don't matter. Any study you throw at them could just be yet another aspect of the grand conspiracy. People who believe in the big conspiracy have a defeater for any fact you could throw at them. Because if there really is a medical cabal controlling everything, then of course they would have the power to fake studies and do whatever they wanted. So I think it's worth taking a look at the crazier things this guy said instead of just focusing on the little details. That is all I have to say about this episode. 
I did not care for it, in case you couldn't tell. I do not care for him or his creepy voice. Um, please email me all of your ivermectin research. Investigate Joe Rogan at gmail.com or you can message me on Twitter. I love discussing COVID. I hope all future JRE guests talk exclusively about COVID. I hope I get COVID so I can talk about it more. And thank you for listening. See you next episode.